Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, and welcome to episode 327 of the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah, how you feeling today? How's your energy? My energy is really good today. We're recording on a Friday. Uh, usually it's a Thursday, typically, but we're recording on a Friday, and I, I tend to have good Friday energy. Yeah, well, you do, because you've got some good routines around your Fridays. And I would say my energy is also very good today, but I'm coming off a really busy week, so I have that, like, satisfaction. Like I got most of it done. I'm Mm -hmm. like rolling into the weekend, feeling productive and good. I've also had a very healthy week. Like I've been really, uh, I went to yoga four days in a row. Wow. I know just kind of out of the blue. I know I just decided it was time because it's been a very sluggish summer. So obviously if you haven't figured it out yet today, we are talking kind of about energy patterns. And I think first of all, you know, we're going into that school year time of year. Um, where even if you don't have kids in school, I've always felt like September is just a big month for new starts, fresh energy. Like it's contagious. It's in the air around you, Mm -hmm. even if you aren't there yet. And I, I know for myself, it took me till well into adulthood to really know that different people had different kinds of energy patterns. I have to say, I think I just thought that like normal meant you went, you worked an eight hour day and that you just kind of plotted along. Right. And then you shifted from like productive energy, you know, productive work energy into like evening relaxation or fun energy Mm -hmm. and that it was predictable and always the same. And that if I didn't fit that pattern, there was something really wrong with me. And it took me quite some time, (laughs) like a lot of beating my head against a wall to realize that that wasn't correct. And that that's not actually like the world isn't really set up to honor your energy patterns, like you kind of have to do it for yourself. So I just think it's an important topic. I do too. And I want to acknowledge a couple other things briefly. One, this fall, 
feels a little COVID-y right now, at least yeah, where, sure does. where I am. We're recording, you know, the third week of August. And so there's this feeling of um, many people traveled this summer, saw family that they hadn't seen in a while. And the timing of the rise of Delta in the United States, at least, with the return to school and like a, almost a hunkering down, there's a there's a hunkering down that often happens in the fall months anyway. And I'm just noticing myself wanting wanting an energy shift from like bigger out, like out there in the world adventures to more internal to my home, which I think is both seasonal, but possibly influenced by what's happening in the world. Um, so just kind of saying that in case anybody else is feeling that way. And then um, to your point about it taking a while to realize like almost that you have any choice in the matter about mm. how you use your energy. I think early motherhood is another time where I'll talk about this later, but where you almost feel like your energy swings and patterns don't match up with the needs of your family. And so oh, I just, yeah. <laughs> I, I, we're going to get into that more, yeah. but if you're in a stage where you're like, okay, Megan and Sarah, like great for you to talk about like when you get the most done, but like, I literally have a baby hanging off my chest or whatever. We've, we've been there. And I think there are, there are interest. I think you learn a lot about, um, optimizing your natural energy patterns when you are in the trenches of motherhood. So um, we're going to address that as well. Yeah. And I, I also want to mention, cause I think that's a really good point. Um, but you know, the ways that you can be tapped out as a mom at any stage of the game, but it shifts a little bit, I think from like baby times to toddler times to preschool times and all, and you know, into teen years is that there's a difference between mental, physical and emotional energy, at least to me. And yes. I can be very high. I can have tons of emotional energy and zero physical energy or vice versa. Sometimes all I have is mental energy. Like my brain is so brimming, but I'm just so tired or like I'm irritable with the people around me because they're getting in my way and like messing yeah. with my mojo. So it's not like energy is like this one thing you can just check off and you either have it or you don't. It's like, where do you put a certain kind of energy today? And maybe today's like a super nurturing day. And like, you can just love on your kids all day, but you don't really have a lot for anything else. And that's great. Um, and then there might be another day when like you've got tons of physical energy and can clean the house, but you're not, you don't really have a whole lot of tolerance for, mm -hmm. you know, boo-boos and stuff like that. And I think that that's really normal. And as moms, we kind of expect ourselves to be on in all three spheres all day long, all the time. And that's just not, I don't think it's possible. It's not possible, especially in a culture that expects, I'm just going to say it, mothers and women to work full time to earn a living wage and then go home and nurture other members of their family, including right. possibly other adults. Like that's not sustainable or tenable. So, um, and I don't think we're, we're, we don't plan to suggest that it is, but I think knowing your energy patterns, whether you're working outside the home or not, um, hopefully can, I don't know, just, just validate that when you're having a low energy day, it's not you. It's the, yeah. <laughs> it's the expectations yeah. or the system. Um, and how right. to work with work within that to get through what you need to get through. Yeah. And I mean, I've been a, a working mom in one way or another, um, most of the time working out of the home in the home, um, in the home as a mom and in the home as a mom plus. Right. So the, I've, I've kind of done it all. And I think in addition to what you're talking about, this expectation that we can like kick butt at work all day and have our mental energy, you know, totally like on par and then go to the gym and like kick butt at the gym and be <laughs> physically amazing and then go home and nurture. I mean, that almost seems simpler than it actually is because while you're at work, you're still expected to nurture your kids in some way. 
you might not be in front of them physically, but if there's a need, you, you still have to be able to flip that switch on. So I, I don't have solutions for that. I'm just acknowledging that yeah. like there are, we're expected to excel in all three areas. And sometimes we're expected to excel often, always maybe we're expected to excel or we expect ourselves to excel in all three areas at all times. And I, I just want to acknowledge that that's something baloney. I've learned It's baloney <laughs> and it's something I've learned to kind of reject for my own self-interest and my own sanity, which I think in turn makes me somehow have more of all three. Yeah. And I've actually learned a lot about from you. Sorry, not a lot about you. I've learned a lot. <laughs> You've learned a lot me. about me too, Sarah. <laughs> that also, I've learned a lot from you over the years and truly have used you as a model for that more intuitive paying attention to my energy and what I have bandwidth for and, and, you know, just leaning into whatever kind of is happening to the degree that I can. So I think you're, I think you're a model to us all in that area. Well, Sarah, my goodness, we're going to get into how you do things uh, amazingly (laughs) that I can't in this episode as well, but that's okay. We're all our own people. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code MOMHOUR50 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code themomhour 15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, Sarah. So... I just want us to quickly describe our energy styles because I think, um, first of all, I think we're different enough that people might see a little bit of themselves in one or the other, or maybe like a hybrid of the two of us or something else entirely. And, you know, I I just want to give some subtext that I think a lot of people 
would think of themselves as like consistently high energy. And some people think of themselves as plotters, right? Like not like plotting to take down the government, but like P-L-O-D-D. Not plotters, <laughs> not plotters but plotters, right? You could be, a, I guess you could be a plotter while plotting a coup, but I'm talking more about plotting, just kind of moving along, sto- like slow and steady wins the race. And then there's ping pong balls. So I want you to, de- we're going to describe ourselves, but I'll go first. Um, I am definitely a ping pong ball. I can be incredibly high energy, but I can have incredibly long sluggish periods. And really until I accepted that about myself, I was not able to fully embrace myself and be really productive, honestly. So like, I'm, that's all I'm going to say, but I am a ping pong ball and you know that. Yeah. Yes. How about you? Are. you? <laughs> um, and I have I, a feeling you're the opposite. I am the opposite. I am very steady. I think sometimes on the outside, I might appear to be, uh, I don't think I'm high energy. I don't identify as high energy. I think other people see me as very productive. Um, but I think that comes more from the plodding consistency rather than a high energy. So I feel like I have a very like medium level physical energy. That's very consistent. I would say your consistency is your superpower actually. Mm -hmm. And I've spent enough time with you to see that you, you, I don't feel like it, I don't feel like it's low energy. It's just medium all the time until you're <laughs> until you're ready for bed. Then it's nothing. But like, I guess that's all of us. Right? Like you wake up kind of the same as you are like at noon. And then, you know, yeah. maybe you have a little dip, but I don't like when I'm with you, I don't really see the dip. You, you might yeah. tell me you're having a dip, but I don't experience it. Um, but your your ability to have a list and just see it all the way through is honestly like the backbone of what we're able to do. So because you need that consistency. Well, you need someone around you with consistency. I don't have it for myself. Yeah. Yeah. But your, your highs are also like contagious. So again, we need each other. We need each other. Right. Yeah. So then let me ask you this. Is your consistency consistent like day to day, or is it more like, you know, is your pattern kind of play out over a week? Like Monday, you might feel a certain way Wednesday, a different way. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally know what you mean. And I think, yeah, from the outside, like you say, probably my dips are not noticeable because I just have, I operate at that kind of hum of medium energy. But what I notice is a common thread is that I tend to start strong with lots of energy and gradually wane. And that is true whether you're talking about a day. So I'm great in the mornings, a week. I love me a Monday, a good productive Monday, a month, love the beginning of a new month, like love that turning the page and a season first day of school, like back to school after the new year, even like even a micro season, some like uh, the kids are starting a new sport or something. So I think a consistent pattern with me is I don't do a lot of like slump and then get a second wind. I've joked that I don't get second wind. I just start strong and then gradually wane. But like slowly you, just like you've observed from the outside, it's it's pretty subtle, but I feel it. And, and that's been instructive yeah. to me over time. And we'll talk more about that later. So I think my low energy does not look from the outside like it might just like somebody else's might. But I, I feel it. Um, and yeah. I, I notice the high and the low. And it, it, the, the common theme is beginnings are strong and endings are weak. <laughs> OK, yeah. And honestly, I can relate to some of that. Um, for me, I would say my days have kind of like a like a loose, recognizable pattern I like to ease into my days, which doesn't mean I wake up cranky or anything like that. I just wake up and I want to kind of 
I want to ease in. Like I want a, a slow start to most mornings, which means if I want to get anything done, I realize I have to get up a little earlier and then I have to put a deadline on the end of my slow start because otherwise my slow start will last until like one thirty or something. And then yeah. <laughs> that doesn't quite work. It's um, not morning anymore. Turns no, out. it's not morning anymore. But I'm also not one of those people who's like, you know, I get out of bed going and then I'm sluggish by three. It really depends more on external factors like what's going on around me. What's on my agenda? Who am I around? Um, is there anything exciting I'm doing today? Uh, did I start my day well? Like I, like I'm really more routine oriented than I would like to believe that I am sometimes. And mm-hmm. getting a good start to the day makes a huge difference. But it doesn't feel to me like I've got some inborn physiology that gives me like a certain pattern. There's so much. Right. I'm so sensitive to. I would say mostly people and the interactions that I'm having around me. Um, I will say that what is pretty predictable for me is that like three or four times a year, I just want to toss a lit match over my shoulder and let everything burn down (laughs) as I escape to the woods. Um, Like that has been something that I I recognize that in my mid twenties. And this is when I was really starting to get my freelance career off the ground. And every year, like clockwork in November and in March, I would want to quit. And I would say things like, I'm just going to take a month off. And, you know, that's, I was married then and I really couldn't take a whole month off, but I had the ability to like maybe take a little bit of a breather. And I would say that. And then what I recognized after like two years of doing that is that just by saying that and giving myself like two days off, I would come back stronger than ever. Mm -hmm. So I kind of realized, and we're going to get into this a little bit more, but the more I kind of lean into those times rather than reacting or panicking or making me think that that's just the sign that I'm in the wrong line of work or like my life is all wrong, just leaning into that and letting them pass has actually boosted my productivity like every time. And that's yeah. actually when I come up with some of my best ideas is when yeah. I take the pressure off myself to do anything at all. So just like, I think that knowing that like when I finally realized that was a legitimate and valid way to live my life. It was very, very freeing and actually really, really helped me live, which is great. Like you need that. You need to really acknowledge the way you are, not the way you wish you were. Um, so we touched on in the beginning that this definitely changes depending on the stage of parenthood you're in. So Sarah, I'm, you know, curious if your energy patterns have changed at all since you were the mom of younger kids or stayed the same. I'll answer first. I would say in general, when my oldest kids were really little, I was way more sluggish in general than I am now. I would not have described myself as a high energy mom, say 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's lots of reasons for that. One is that I was sleep deprived chronically for yeah. some time. <laughs> um, yes. Another is that I didn't really get the social input that I needed to yeah. be, to feel really engaged with life. Um, I finally started to get that when I really got good at being online. Like at first I would say my online interactions were more draining than I guess energizing. But when I finally kind of figured out I would have, you know, when, when I was more like in the thick of like three, four, five kids, I would have a buddy or two that I just chatted with a lot during the day. Mm-hmm. And that was really helpful and gave me that lifeline. Um, I remember the feeling of being stuck under a nursing baby and like really loving it for a little while and then starting to feel a little anxious and itchy. And then finally just being like, whatever here, I'm just one with the couch now. And that was actually very kind of depressing to me, but also just not having like a very good handle on how to 
harness my energy, it would give me that constant feeling of like spinning my wheels, but not getting anything done. And the, the harder I feel like my brain is working without producing, the more drained I feel. So I would just say as like a young mom, I probably looked depressed, honestly. Like, I think I probably just came off as like laid back on the verge of lazy. Mm -hmm. And I, I really wasn't. It was just frustration. Yeah, I think so many people can relate to that. And I think it's interesting because I think we have some of the same observations about new motherhood, even though we've just spent 20 minutes talking about how different our natural energy patterns are. Because one thing I remember about my energy patterns when I had really little kids was kind of going back to what you talked about with mental versus physical versus emotional energies being different. And I just have this memory of them being feeling very out of sync. Um, It was like Mm. my brain energy was at a level that my body couldn't keep up with because I was either, (laughs) like you said, under a nursing baby or sleep deprived. It it almost felt like having like split personality or something where there were like it wasn't syncing up. Um, And I remember that so well. I'd be, you know, just looking I'd be a baby would be sleeping on me. I'd be sitting on the couch or maybe another toddler was sleeping upstairs and I would be looking around at this this mess, the the stuff on the floor. And it wasn't just the mess of the toys on the floor. My brain would also be wanting to do things like get my schedule in order, get my calendar going, um, search, do a, a search for preschools or these like forward all the things thinking. that give you a boost. Yes, Those are all planning, the things you love. Planning yeah. and anticipating really gives me a boost. And I, you know, I maybe had a phone in my hand, but I I couldn't physically get up. Or I'd have these bursts of creative energy. I mean, you met me in this time period. I'd have a whole essay. And I'm sure you've done this too. Like you have a whole essay in your head. It's so good in your head. It's so good in your head. And there's nowhere (laughs) for it to land. And you haven't slept. So they're like the brain cells are already, the the synapses are so tenuous anyway because of lack of sleep. And you're like, if I could just like put thoughts around this and write it down and and it it had nowhere to land and and for me nowhere to land didn't just mean i didn't have time to write it down but i also didn't really have the bandwidth to think about my creative endeavors as anything long term and that's kind of when you met me it was like okay i'm going to fire off an essay for this magazine or i'm going to try and submit over here and i didn't i didn't have the um i wasn't settled enough to think about what did i want this writing career to look like. And that felt, uh, well, first of all, that's a privilege to have been in the position to choose. And I had recently stayed home after working in an office, but I didn't have, I didn't have the ability to go deep with creative thoughts. And I think that's hard when you're in new motherhood. So that feels very different now. I'm, I guess the question was about how is it different when you have younger kids? Like that's not my reality. Now I have the space in my life that when I have a creative idea, I can write it down before I forget it. Or I can put a meeting with you on the calendar because I know Mm. when my kids are going to be out of the house, like that is a game changer. So, um, yeah, I would not, it is better now. It gets better. (laughs) It gets better. (laughs) Um, but just, you know, just acknowledging that like wherever you are right now is probably so much more normal than you think. And I think we tend to think there's something wrong with us. Like we're not dealing with this phase of our lives very well. And I think we can just be very honest and say, nope, it's the phase of your life. (laughs) It's really, it's not you not rising to the occasion. It's not you not being able to get your crap together. It's just where you're at and it will change. But like in the meantime, it's so hard to be gentle with yourself, but like you have to, because it's just, there's so many other moms going through it, however it looks for them. Yes, exactly. And not having energy, I think, can look like different things. Cause I felt like in those years, I felt like I had energy, 
but it's almost like it wasn't about the right things or that's what I felt. Like I didn't have the energy to like, you know, read that one storybook one more time or do what I thought I like scrub toilets or whatever. I had this weird, like buzzy creative energy that didn't match up with my station of life. And I, I don't think I was, I think that's a common experience. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Okay, Sarah. So before we get into talking about the things that give us energy, let's talk about the things that take away energy. I think sometimes we look at being very proactive and adding things, but we don't always look at the things that are just kind of happening around us and draining the energy. And we might not even, we might not be able to do anything about it. It's not like we're saying, you know, oh, your (laughs) kids are being a pain and taking away your energy, get rid of them. I mean, that's not going to happen, right? Like, Your house is always going to have to be cleaned, even if it's draining your energy. But sometimes just knowing that that's what's going, like recognizing what's going on can be such a relief. So Mm -hmm. you start, what what are the things that drain your energy? I think the biggest one is anxiety and or worry, which I think are related cousins, but not necessarily Mm -hmm. the same thing. Um, It is very tiring and draining is the right word to have your brain kind of fixating on a problem or a perceived problem all day. 
because I am high functioning, like I, I am productive and I do kind of keep going with that medium amount of energy. But like, you know, when your computer's running a program in the background and you don't know that it's running and then the fan starts going crazy and then like your basic functions, <laughs> like, like the yeah. basic functionality of your email or your browser speed is really slow. And you're like, what is happening? And like, oh, like there's been this other thing just running in the background the whole time. And you wonder why the functionality is not working. I feel like that's what having like a buzzy anxiety brain is like. And sometimes it's very draining and other times it's not at all draining. So it's not something that I deal with constantly. But when you asked what is something that if all if everything else is equal, meaning, my, you know, my sleep is about the same and my health is about the same and my kids are about the same. What tends to put a drain on my energy? The number one thing would be anxiety. Wow. Um, when you're talking about things running in the background, it just made me laugh to myself because I was thinking about how my tendency when something is literally running in the background, not not talking metaphorically anymore. I'm talking about literally my computer has (laughs) my usual tendency is to ignore it and hope it just goes away. (laughs) And I will actually deal. We've talked about this, like the death by a thousand cuts syndrome before, right? Mm -hmm. Like I will deal with small annoyances way too long, Mm -hmm. way, way, way too long until suddenly I'm like, I can't take it anymore. And then I lose my mind. So, I mean, this is both metaphorical and actual (laughs) and literal. But I think that you just recognizing that that's happening is Mm -hmm. like the first step, like the first important step. I'm thinking of that because just last week I posted on our Instagram account and got some really very nice feedback on it that I was feeling like the weight of the world, like a lot of heaviness. And I think that my natural inclination is to kind of just like Pollyanna my way through a lot of that stuff. And it's all happening and it's buzzing in the background, but I'm not, I'm not feeling it yet. And then it all catches up with me at once. So for me, I think it's not just, it's not even necessarily anxiety and worry. It's just the state of the world or like all of those functioning, like those things functioning Mm -hmm. in the background, the computer, you know, programs or whatever. I didn't do an update on my system. (laughs) Turns out. Your battery's low. My battery is very low and it all hits me at once, which is why I went to yoga four times this week. And Mm -hmm. probably why I feel remarkably better today than I did Monday. I mean, I don't always put the two together. Yeah. Because sometimes you don't feel amazing walking away from a self-care practice. It's not right. like, you know, you do one yoga class and everything's solved. That's not really how it works. Right. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah. want to say one more thing quickly yeah. about the anxiety pattern too, because as I was, I was listening to myself talk, And thinking and then and listening to you and thinking often the question I ask myself is, how do I make the anxiety go away or how do I take care of this anxiety or, you know, calm myself down? The question I almost never ask is, what do I need to take off my plate or how can I adjust my expectations around my energy? Because this week I'm having a lot of anxiety. Do you see the difference? Like I'm always I'm always fixated on like, well, we got to get like nip this in the bud. Cause I don't have time. <laughs> I don't have time for this. I have too much to do instead of, Oh, I wonder if I should commit to less this week and just sit in this anxiety. Just, I'm just like yeah. having therapy on the podcast right now. Well, right. Because you know, there, maybe you can't solve the anxiety and word. like right. maybe whatever it is, it's causing it isn't currently solvable and there's nothing you can really do to address it, but acknowledging it and putting yourself in this place where 
you're just more equipped is another way of sort of like roundabout addressing it. Um, so I guess for me, my list of things that put a drain in my energy are surprisingly long considering I don't (laughs) often know that it's happening when it's happening, but the couple that I would point out would be, um, like interpersonal conflict that can take me really knock. Like if it's unexpected, especially like if Mm -hmm. unexpectedly someone's mad at me or unhappy with my work or something like that, it can totally derail me in a way that sometimes is like kind of stupid. And actually that's been one of the nice things about having you as a business partner, because I feel like you're very, um, because we're both equally wanting to Well, we're both equally wanting to do the thing, right thing, yes. right? So we're both equally wanting to do a good job. And so you're also very realistic. Like if I feel like someone's mad at me or like, like someone's criticizing something I did and I, I go to you and say like, is this really a thing? And you're like, no, <laughs> I know that you equally want us to do a good job. So like, you'd be honest if it was, yeah. if I had really dropped the ball or something. Right. And so, yeah. yeah, so that's actually really helpful. It's sometimes that's another thing why it's helpful to have people who've come from different places. Agreed. Talking about something like that. Um, having too many balls in the air for too long and then not having a plan or a system for managing all those things like that spinning wheels I was talking yeah. about, like having my brain too full and then not taking the additional two to three steps to get stuff out of my brain and yeah. into a system, um, which is really kind of hard for the way I work because I have so many different projects going on that I can't just have one system that works forever. It has to be very fluid and it evolves like sometimes day to day, week to week. Like sometimes what works if I'm just managing one thing won't work if I'm managing four. And so I have to like be really proactive and say, I'm not going to even open my computer until I sit down with a, a to do like yeah. a piece of paper and a pen and, and categorize everything I have to do, including things that aren't like necessarily work things that are just clouding my brain. All yeah. of it has to go down on paper. I have to prioritize it and create tasks around it. Otherwise my brain just, it just spins. And I just sit there mm-hmm. going, I'm not doing anything. Um, a messy space or not loving the space that I'm in, yes. like feeling bad about my, my physical space. Will I want to add that one back to mine yeah. too. I'll just co-sign oh. that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I know you've got something to say about that. Like, what would you, what do you, how do you feel about that? Because I don't think we necessarily have the same things about our spaces. Yeah. I think it, for me, it feels like a lack of control over my environment. And, you know, everybody this summer heard me talk about my roof construction, which just meant that I didn't, there were people in my environment all the time. So it, it comes back to control. I think with me, I can handle a decent amount of, of dirt. Like my bathrooms aren't super clean. Um, even the clutter, if it's clutter, I know I that's within my power to tackle. I can walk by it for a couple of days knowing it's going to feel so good to tackle it. Um, but as soon as it just feels overwhelming or I feel like I haven't had that reset opportunity um, in a while. And that's end of summer is very much like that. The kids have been home for three months. Everyone's bored. Everyone's shoes are in the flipping doorway. <laughs> like it's right. just so now I'm speaking to you from the other side where we are starting to get into back to school mode and I have kind of reclaimed my space, but just 100% that's a big, it's both an energy drain and an energy rebound for me to have control of my space. Well, yes. I mean, I think that we both, and, and I feel like I've been experiencing this since I was 12 years old, the K like the downer that a chaotic space can be. And then the rebound energy that a freshly yeah. cleaned or reorganized space can be. So it's like that yin and yang. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Another one for me would be not getting enough social time and not getting enough nature time. And sometimes those things conflict. So that's another thing that I have to be careful about. Like sometimes the easy thing is for me to go, you know, go hang out with some friends and catch up and have a drink and have fun. And that's always fun in the moment. But then sometimes I realize, ooh, but what really would have filled my cup today is going for a hike or vice versa. Like sometimes the easy thing isn't always exactly what you need or the most obvious thing or the Mm -hmm. thing other people want you to do isn't always the thing you really need. And so those are things that I've gotten better at paying attention to. And then just like I mentioned, world events, like I can, I can be really good at almost ignoring or compartmentalizing that stuff and like setting it aside until it all catches up with me. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes very oppressive. So, um, I, again, I don't have like a solution for that, all these things, except to just say, knowing what they are is helpful. Well, and hearing us speak these out loud, I just have so much empathy for us and everyone in the world because it's like, no wonder we're tired. Like there right. are a lot of things draining our energy. So yeah, I actually yeah. found that very helpful. Well, good. I'm glad. Okay. Well then let's turn it into a positive, like maybe something a little more productive and, and helpful. What are some surprising things that have had a big effect on your energy patterns? for the better. Um, I'll go first on this one because some of these were very surprising to me. I would say something I did not anticipate in very young motherhood was how much being busy would help me. Um, and of course, if you have little kids, you're always busy. That's the thing, but it's sometimes it's busy and not productive, or that's how it feels. It felt like I was always doing, 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 but not just kicking the can down the road and not really accomplishing anything. And it was so, the routine was so kind of all over the place that it felt very sporadic. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I went back to work briefly when my two oldest kids were really little. There were a lot of negatives to that. Like, and when I say back to work, I mean back to work in a real office, like outside of my house where I had to be mm-hmm. there at a certain time. Um, there were a lot of negatives to that. And ultimately that wasn't the right choice for me and my family, but it gave me like a momentary burst of energy that really helped me create structure and routines yes. in my life that I did not do until I had that job. So mm-hmm. I look at it as a net win, even though ultimately it didn't, it wasn't something I wanted to do forever. Mm-hmm. I think I was working outside the home for like two, maybe two and a half, three years. Um, and then of course I, at times I have gone back and like probably like every five years or so I take an outside the home job for a mm-hmm. little while and I'm like, Oh, this is great. Look at now I'm working out again. And now I'm doing all these things. I'm done. Yeah, and <laughs> I did what done. I needed to do. Thanks for that. I'll but take to I my think, bed. <laughs> I'll take to my bed now. <laughs> but I think in general, like having a problem to solve or like adding new things to my plate, I wrote in the outline upheaval. I feel hmm. like in the times of my life where things have been really hard, like during a move or during a divorce or during like having to go out and get a new job, those things actually tend to positively affect my energy levels. But I did mention, or I made a note that this is a short-term positive. So it's like, it, it helps me get my dander up to like, to power through, which Uh can have a ripple effect of positivity. But if it goes on too long in a way that's not natural to the way I operate, I hit a wall. So it's like, there has to be that balance. And and overall, I think the theme here is novelty, like really having a variety of things that are coming at me that I have to deal with, solve. Sometimes I get a little stressed. Sometimes I get a little overwhelmed. 
but overall, I respond really well to novelty. Whereas mm-hmm. I think same sameness or too much predictability starts to kind of just get old. And then I get like mentally, I don't feel sharp. And that, and then once my mental faculties aren't like firing on all cylinders, I think everything else follows. And I yeah. start to just feel kind of sluggish. So yeah. I don't know. What about you? Well, I don't know how many of these are truly surprising, but I like, I really liked this question. I'm going to jump in where you left off, which is novelty and change, because even though I'm like, super consistent and tend to be change averse. One of a, one of like, like a guaranteed infusion of new energy for me is the anticipation of a, of a big change or a new season. So that could be like going back to having babies, like the nesting of getting ready for a baby or even anticipating a pregnancy or a change in the family structure. Um, like getting ready for a new season of school or sports, um, just like the, even like the holiday season. So for me, it's not just it's not just that there are things to plan and a calendar to organize. Of course, I love those things, but it's, it's almost like because it's predictable change, I don't really do very well with surprise change. As we know, people, my personality don't super love upheaval or chaos when it's a surprise, but at the same time, exactly like you say, change itself can be energizing and invigorating. So I think the predictable change is the seasons we know are coming, the start of a new school year, the start of a new calendar year. So those things um, are definitely an infusion of or a, or a shift in energy patterns for the better. But then I wrote down a couple of other uh, more like specific things. Um, not drinking alcohol before bedtime turns out has a turns has out a, yes a real positive effect on the next day's energy patterns. Um, so I'm continuing to look at that, and I'm not talking about like six drinks. I'm talking about even one versus zero. Um, yeah. And now, let me just, it, let's dig into this really quick okay, because, I'm, this, is, well, because this is something I'm working on and, and because I've been like working on getting up earlier and really regulating my sleep times. So uh-huh. that really affects it. I know you're an early riser. And when I was kind of sleeping until whenever I felt like waking up and then really slowly starting my day, having a couple drinks right before bed didn't seem to affect it. I would say now trying to get up and get moving and go to like an early yoga class or something means if I have alcohol after like 6.30, I'm regretting it that night or the next day. And mm-hmm. not like regretting it like I feel hungover, just regretting it because I don't feel 100%. So yeah, because you know you if, could feel better. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for me, um, I mean, I can't remember if I've said this on the podcast or just to my in conversations with friends, but for so long, my one glass of wine I looked forward to had to do with putting the kids down to bed. Like they went to bed and then I took a breath and I put my feet up and I had one, one responsible glass of wine. However, my kids don't go to bed very early anymore. And I've held on to that. It's like a Pavlovian thing where I feel like that's my reward or something. And we can, I mean, we can unpack some, some very questionable attitudes about drinking and alcohol. That's all like baked into this, but that's been the ritual that I've looked forward to is the end of night glass of wine. And I don't really drink much else um, like normally during the week. And I've just realized that it doesn't make sense for that glass of wine to be at 830. It, it, I would be right. much better served if that was at dinner at six or um, like at four o'clock. I mean, really, honestly, I truly love one glass of wine. I love the ritual of that. I'm not I'm not looking to change that but I feel it in my sleep and in my energy when it's right before bed. So that's like, it was, there's probably a whole episode in here we could talk about. There probably is. And I don't want to, to focus too much on drinking, but I do think that's one of those things that 
different, depending on the phase of life you're in or your age, or there's lots of reasons you might want to rethink either what you drink, how much you drink, if you drink at all or when. And yes. I think that those are, you can't deny that those things affect your um, sleep and Absolutely. then what happens the next day. So can I anyway. say really something really quick about social? Cause you, you talked about not enough social time. And I think we're very, we're like the inverse of each other, extrovert and introvert. Um, but in terms of, um, I can avoid social interaction if I, if I'm kind of in a funk or if I'm already feeling low energy. Um, so you, you talked about how like, it might seem like the easy things to go out and grab a drink with friends. And for me, it would actually be the opposite. It would like feel easier for me to stay home or to go for a walk by myself than to reach out, make a plan, meet up with friends. Like that feels complicated and hard and energy draining. But I will say that, um, a surprising a surprising effect of some social interaction is that it can lead to a energy burst. And just like you said, with novelty, there's an upper limit. If I feel too stretched socially or like my calendar's too full, that's no fun. But I often think I need a little bit more social variety than I'm getting. And it's not, I I'm not likely to seek it out. I have to kind of force myself. Yeah. yeah I think that makes total sense. Um, and that's been very consistent with you. And I yeah. also think that you really, you are really good at leaning on people when you're, I think when you're having a hard time, I'm actually not always as good at that. I tend to, um, internalize my problems and not think that they're really worth bringing up with anybody else or that they're like important enough to bring oh, up I with anybody else. Oh, okay. Well, I feel <laughs> like when you are having a really rough time, you usually tell me, so like, good. but maybe you don't, maybe you're having a rough time all the time, but I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe it's just when it gets really desperate that you let me know. So I think that's something in general we could all be a little bit better at is not yeah. downplaying or uh, excusing our own hard times. Like I know, Sarah, you and I talk often about this is a privileged problem to have, or I know that I'm in a good place and that's great to recognize that, but that doesn't make the problem any less problematic yeah. for you. Yeah. You know, just because just someone else is maybe dealing with something bigger or yep. more... Um, life shattering or you know what yeah. I mean? Challenge like mm -hmm. a big different challenge doesn't mean that your challenge doesn't isn't also valid. And totally. so I think you should complain more. Okay. That's all. Get you your boxer start? ready. Go oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> can we have a separate channel? It's just called Sarah complains and I'll just yeah. check in with it. Like, you know, you can, you can tag it urgent or like Sarah's just venting and then I'll know when I can get it. All right. Anything else that's on your list of surprising things that help your energy levels? I mean, good weather, like the weather that I like, which isn't the weather everybody likes, but I don't, that's more of a mood. I don't know if it's energy, mood and energy are related, but not the same. You mean your but gloomy Eeyore weather? That's the stuff that gets it. you in a good mood. Okay. I love it so much. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Sarah's like a Eeyore with a, the rain cloud following yeah. her around. Well, it. it's novelty, right? Because if you don't get it enough, yeah. you want it. Yeah. yeah. Just how like, you know, the, when we have here, sometimes we'll have a kind of a relatively un precipitous. I don't know mm -hmm. sure if that's the correct word, but, um, winter, and then you have that blizzard and it's amazing. But if you have yeah. a winter where it's just blizzards for three straight months, it's like, okay, I'm kind yeah. of over this. All right. Well, let's leave listeners with something kind of uh, productive or concrete to take away. So let's just um, share some tips or tricks or ideas that we've discovered that have helped us harness our natural energy patterns, which are probably going to be kind of different but um, just things that have helped us and people, hopefully by now they recognize themselves in one or the other of us so they can yeah. decide which ones to try. Well, I guess if I have 
a tip, it's that self-knowledge is great and looking at your own energy patterns is great. But the tip I have is to not make assumptions about what you're capable of or what will be best for you without leaving room for possibility and curiosity. Because I have, I tend to like decide what I'm good at, decide what I want, and then like plow ahead. And you're really good, Megan, at being like, yeah, but why? Like, why are we doing it this way? (laughs) So I'll tell a little, I'll tell a little story. When I was in college and I was freshman year, fall quarter, I already knew I was a morning person. I knew I was a morning person when I was like eight and would go to sleepovers and would wake up like two hours before everyone else. Um, so I was like 18 signing up for classes and I signed up for all 8 a.m. classes, 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. classes because I'm like, I'm a morning person. And that whole first quarter went by. And of course, I was fine. I didn't sleep through class. I didn't have a problem, you know, waking up to my alarm. But one thing I realized is I was having a terrible time reading and like reading chapters of my homework and doing homework and studying at night. I, I wasn't good at it. I was if I wasn't sleepy, I was at least bored and not mentally engaged. So I I might still stay up till one in the morning, but I wasn't studying well and I wasn't enjoying it. I was like, this is something is backward. So winter quarter, I signed up for all 11 and 12 o'clock classes like my friends who were doing that because they were so excited that they had control of their schedule and they could sleep in till 1030 um, because I realized that I needed to be reading and studying in the morning. That was my best time. So I think the moral of that little story is, you know yourself, but you might have more agency within your day to play Mm. around with harnessing those energy patterns. When I, the like since becoming a mom, I would say my default is I want to be by myself in the first half of the day. I want to be around people in the second half of the day. And I kind of want to be by myself again or wind down (laughs) Like you, before you want then. to be around other people for the, the second, like half of the second from half. like two to four. No, just kidding. Right. <laughs> from but like a two hour I, out of 24 hours. But That's when right. I was like an, a younger mom, um, I would plan things like the way we did play dates and errands and the way I worked around naps. Like it all fed into this kind of, I guess, self-knowledge. So I, I don't know. That was like really vague, but I think being open to being surprised by your own patterns, being open to them changing and knowing that you can't, you can't change everything. If you work an eight to five job outside the home, there's not a lot you can change about that. But there may be, when we talked to Amanda a couple of weeks ago um, about her working mom life, she talked about like the shifts she made in her full-time work when her kids were born and like how, so I do think there are little small changes that maybe can help us harness that natural energy. Yeah. Well, I know, Sarah, you've talked about going to bed early and I have recently just decided to call it. So that's what I say. It's uh-huh. it's kind of, it felt to me like giving up. And I think one of the things around like your sleep schedule, I always thought of myself as a super night owl. And I'm, I'm really starting to rethink that I can be a night owl if I wake, if I stay up past my like second wind, if I stay mm-hmm. up until my second wind, I'll just keep going. I started to do this thing where I would just call it like, and I literally thought that of the, of it that way to myself, I'd be like, okay, I'm just calling it. This day's over. I'm just mm-hmm. calling it. And I'd go to bed sometimes when it's still light out in the summer. And it, for a while, it felt like giving up. Like it almost felt like a surrender in mm-hmm. some way. Like, but then I started to realize I never really regretted the things I would have done in the hour or two or three. I would have more, I would have been up. Mm-hmm. But I always felt great about getting up 
the next day. So I think this is something you can change throughout your life is my point. Like mm-hmm. you might think that you are set in your ways and you are an early bird or you are a night owl, but maybe there's, if, if for you in your life right now, and I know for moms with little non-sleepers, this is just all fantasy anyway, yeah. but you might say, Hey, actually sleeping in another hour might be just what I need. Or, Hey, like going to bed an hour earlier might be amazing. Let me play with it. I mean, there's probably not going to be anything so amazing that would have happened in the hour between five and six today or the hour between nine and 10 or whatever that looks like for you that you'd regret that much mm-hmm. losing to just mm-hmm. to play with it. And I think playing with it is, is just interesting. So anyway, that's all. I, and that kind of ties in with what you were saying, but, um, just having that agency, I think is mm-hmm. where that idea came to mind. Like you get to decide you're the decider. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes um, we give up. It feels like we aren't the decider. If your right. work situation or your kid's situation feels like you're pinned in between these, you know, the daycare opens at this time. I got to pick up by this time or the naps are at this time. Um, so I think maybe what we're both nudging you all toward is finding the places you do have a little bit of agency and not taking anybody else's um, schedule or energy goals as your own. I think it's easy to do that. Like you see on Instagram, someone posts their like morning cup of coffee steaming and they're reading their like morning meditations and like they're getting up before their kids when the house is quiet. I see a lot of that and it's very aspirational and wonderful, but I don't think that is everyone's cup of tea. Literally. Like it just isn't, that doesn't have to be your thing. Your thing might be a long bath at the end of the night or a nap when the toddler naps. Like so I think um, just also a good reminder that when we see these suggestions, that's someone else trying to harness their best energy patterns. That's not necessarily your thing. Uh, yeah, I love that. I love the advice to personalize it. It's, it's yeah. yours. It's yours. Yeah. Um, okay, so mine, I guess, tips and tricks and ideas that help me harness my natural energy patterns would include smart delegating. I would say that when I'm feeling particularly bogged down, it's often because I'm doing things that irritate me that I would rather somebody else did. I'm happy to direct them and I'm happy mm-hmm. to edit their work as well. And when I say edit their work, that might mean editing the, <laughs> do- the job a kid did mopping the floor. And it might mean editing, like literally edit- editing an article or something. But I'm, on- and honestly, the older I get, the better I get at delegating and the worse I get at executing things for myself. And, and maybe that's a very natural I don't know, like a natural phase of getting older, but I'd rather tell people what to do and then make it better mm-hmm. than do everything myself and, uh, you know, take that for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, taking shameless breaks and sometimes very long breaks. And that kind of ties into the, that leaning into the malaise I talked about before when I was saying needing to just power down. Um, mm-hmm. The more shameless I can be about those breaks, the faster I recover from them. And it used, like, I remember the, the progress, like the progression was the first time I realized this, it was probably 10 years ago. I just had this, like, it was that spinning wheels feeling. I couldn't get traction on anything. I couldn't get going on anything. My energy level was really low. And I remember feeling really bad one day and thinking there's, there's just nothing more to be done today. Mm-hmm. It was a very specific feeling like, I'm just not going to get anything done. Am I? I'm just going to go to bed. And I didn't fall asleep. I just literally took to my bed. Like I just got my pajamas on and I got in bed and I just, uh, by the way, 
we've talked about this. Like sometimes I say pajamas and sometimes I say pajamas and sometimes I say aunt and sometimes I say aunt. It's like a total separate thing. And groceries just, and groceries. You I know. I want to put like a pin in that conversation ago. and bring it back because I feel <laughs> very sporadic about my pronunciation of certain words. But anyway, got my GMEs on, got my GM jams on and got in bed and then laid there and felt kind of bad and guilty. And I was like, I guess I'm just depressed or something. Maybe this is depression. And then I went to bed and then I got up the next day and I was fine. And so then I thought, well, wait, maybe I just was a little overwhelmed and didn't feel like doing that. So then after that, I stopped feeling bad about it. I mean, it took me a little while. It's not like it just happened overnight. But I started to say, well, what if next time I took a break, I just took it. Yeah. And I didn't feel bad about it. And I didn't worry if, that I was depressed. And I didn't wonder if I just had taken on, you know, more than I could handle. What if I just said, eh, not for me today, going to bed. And honestly, that has like saved my life so many times. I can't even tell you. So mm-hmm. just saying that leaning in, it's not always 100% positive, but it's positive or not positive. It's not always 100% possible, but it's possible more often than you might think. Mm-hmm. So. That, you know, whatever it is you have to do today will still be there waiting for you tomorrow. Um, Creating movable deadlines. This is something that I find it's almost like I'm like tricking or hacking my brain's natural desire (laughs) to work hard and then take breaks Mm -hmm. by setting myself. And this wouldn't work if someone else is creating your deadlines. But if you're in the position where you can create any of your own deadlines, and I mean, it could be a deadline for like, you know, organizing a closet or something. I can be very deadline driven, but I can also be a procrastinator. So if I create a deadline, then the day before the deadline, I will kick it into high gear, but nothing gives me as much of a rush as kicking, kicking it into high gear, getting about halfway there and then being like, yeah, you know what? I'm moving that deadline. (laughs) And then I move the deadline. See what I've just done is tricked my brain into getting all the crap that you don't want to do done. The Mm -hmm. start right? Like all the, um, like when you sit down, you know, Sarah, you and I've talked about this when you sit down to write and the hardest part is getting the first paragraph out Mm -hmm. or starting the WordPress post or Mm -hmm. organizing your thoughts enough to even get going. That is often very hard. It's a huge obstacle. So the deadline basically creates the momentum around getting started and then being able to move the deadline makes me feel like I'm still in control. I know this is all very, this is some psycho mumbo jumbo that I'm doing with myself, but it really, it's almost like I'm hacking my own, uh, my own tendencies to get what I want, which is ultimately getting stuff done when it actually has to get done, not four weeks before and not three days late. It's like the deadlines are sort of, um, arbitrary. No, I can totally see that. It's kind of like we talk about high fives from our future selves. It's like the Mm -hmm. opposite version of that. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, so we've talked about a lot of other things that are kind of obvious, like physical movement, good nutrition, um, doing good stuff, shedding the draining stuff. And then one other that I would mention is worry deadlines. And I think we've talked about these before on the show, like a worry deadline or a deciding deadline. So I'm only going to worry about this for six more weeks. I'm going to worry about this until this day. And that's Mm -hmm. the deadline when I have to stop worrying about it, or I'm not going to worry about this. I'm not going to decide for X days. Yeah, that's so interesting. I I don't know if we've talked about it. I have definitely heard that from child psychologists and therapists um, as a version of that to help kids who obsessively worry um, to almost set like set a time like we're going to talk about we talk about our worries, you know, for 20 minutes before bed, before we read our books so we can save that for then and like really giving kids permission to um, 
especially the kids who want to ruminate and want to talk about the same thing over and over again. Um, And you and I have had kids like that. Um, But giving them so that you're not saying we're not going to talk about that anymore. I've already I've already told you what I think about that, but (laughs) giving it a giving it a container that it fits in. So um, that's so interesting. And it would make sense that it's not just for children. No. Right. And I don't even remember how I, I stumbled across this, but I think I probably read an article in a magazine or something, but that has helped me. Sometimes something gets stuck in your brain and you can't, you're perseverating. You can't get off of it. And it's like, what would it feel like Mm -hmm. to give yourself two weeks? You're not allowed to think about it. Yeah. Because usually those two weeks, unless it's something that truly has to be urgently decided, usually those two weeks aren't going to make as much of a difference as you think. Um, or, or on the flip side, what if you only let yourself worry for two more weeks mm-hmm. and then you're done? The, yeah. those, they're just another, they're brain hacks. They're all ways yeah. to kind of force you to think about things differently, which yeah. in turn, you get your emotional and mental energy back. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't think we solved it, Sarah, but I do think I learned a lot from, from what you shared and hopefully listeners are listening to this at least feel, um, like they have a little more power or agency to recognize things different, you know, about themselves and to take more control over their energy and to not feel bad. Like whatever it looks like for you, that's, that's you. There's so many ways to be normal. Yeah. Agreed. And productive and like a good mom and all of those things. And, um, and, and like we also said before, the world isn't necessarily set up to honor your, energy patterns, but that doesn't mean your energy patterns are bad or not right. valid. They are. Agreed. So you got to honor them to yourselves. A hundred percent. No, I loved this. Um, a great conversation as we go into fall. And we also, we have a few episodes from the Wayback archives that are similar, but more about productivity and time management. And what I like about the way you structured this one, Megan, is it was much more like personality and like um, I don't know, like self-awareness based, but I think if you're, if you like this kind of episode listeners, um, I will link to a couple that have a little bit more to do with productivity and time management, which is really just like where we would go from this conversation. Cause I think knowing your energy patterns and, and honoring them is first and then, and then you're productive and you manage your time from there. So yeah. I love it. And speaking of managing time, <laughs> We are going to be talking more about mornings specifically next week on the podcast. We're doing another one of our house rules episodes, which have been so fun. Um, So this time it's house rules for easier mornings. And what that means is the house rules come from our listeners and their families. So it's a whole bunch of what other families all around the country and the world are doing to make mornings easier, which is timely this time of year. Um, And then later next week, next Friday, we're actually going to be chatting with a couple of our contributors about specifically how mornings work in their houses. So next week is all about mornings um, and we are all all kinds of back to school over here. I love it. Well, we'll talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. 
Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E R I K A dot A P P, and use code the mom hour to save 20%. Megan, you know what I love about our partner, the Essential Calendar? I love the product so much, of course, but I also love that it comes from a small business founded by two moms. Right, just like us. Listeners, if you're drowning in details right now, like summer camps, travel plans, end of school year mayhem, give yourself the gift of the Essential Calendar, a seasonal at-a-glance poster-sized calendar for your wall. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. 